had thousands and thousands of people have been attending, and each night we had to turn from the, the army buildings anywhere from three to five thousand people away from the, from the services. And the Lord has been opening the eyes of the blind and the dead and the dumb and the lame. And it's glorious night. But the last week, I, I was one day late after being here seen layover. So first I down here and said that it would be impossible for me to get down here this week. So they'll let me come down. So we just started out for that. So I got back. <laughs> I started Friday, Saturday morning. I was supposed to be here last night. I just got in there a little bit ago. And so, 18 hours layover, and I didn't get through for just a few moments ago, and I hadn't slept any since night before last. So, I'm pretty tired and supposed to be some money. Night before last, I played for almost 3,000 people just alone in one night. So, you know, about imagine how tired, but it's always good to get to see I tell you, there's something about this place that I really like. The other day I had just a few moments with some of the brothers to run up on the mountain and look down up out from the place where I'm staying. I went up there and looked down and I thought, oh, now, heavenly, how you people are blessed with a wonderful city here. And I think it's the most central uh, place that I know of, the most heavenly looking place. The trouble is we just don't appreciate it enough. This world's a wonderful place that God has given us if we can just take care of it. But we don't do that. So now this is our this is our fourth Sunday, isn't it? We have four more Sundays. And this was the Sunday that I gave away, if the Lord willing, to have nothing but miracles for this Sunday, if the Lord willing. Just not for the masses of people, but just to bring up those that are afflicted and crippled that they might uh, be healed here visibly before this audience. That's an awful thing to do. You know that I, I feel that I do wrong by saying that. You know, it's not right in the first place to do it. But I just, it's not even, my gift is not miracles. My gift is to pray for the sick and the afflicted. It's healing and not miracles. I'm awfully sorry that I ever did try to perform a miracle before anyone. I am. And when the angel of the Lord spoke to me last time speaking, by the way, night before last, I seen him again in the room for the first time for about six months. And But he never spoke to me. He was just standing by the door looking at me when I turned around. And quickly I fell on my face, but when I raised up, he was gone again. So, but the last time he spoke with me, he told me what I been told you last week. At Glendale, Illinois, why, he told me I was confining too much of his work to work in miracles, and it would come to pass that people would not believe me unless there was miracles performed. And that'd be true. It's got that way people don't feel like they're afraid for. Last week I had a very strange thing. By the way, many of you come to the rescue up there in Oregon. I just, we're all Christians and we like to hear good reports, don't we? And I was up there with Reverend Gordon Lindsay, and all the churches cooperating together, everything, even to the Baptists and all. And many of the leading doctors of the state came out, and the governor. And the Lord had given me grace before the people, and it was certainly a wonderful and glorious meeting that we were having. And many, many thousands of people, I believe it's the best attendance we've had since Canada. Of course, Canada was the best meeting we've ever had was up in the, among the Canadian people. And how the 
the Lord worked among them. Uh, we, one meeting had near 35,000 people, and, and the services, we could not even hold them in a fairgrounds. We had to take them over to big stampede halls and things to take care of them. And the dear Lord worked with them wonderfully, and mighty miracles were performed. Being that I'm going to speak just for a few moments, I wish to take just a few more moments of time to make a mention about the, the miracles. A miracle, it's, it's written in the Bible, that, and I trust that many of you will understand this position that I'm trying to take this afternoon. You know the reason I've done this? And God knows that I tremble at the very thoughts of this afternoon's service. That's right, because I look sitting here before me. Ripples, blind, afflicted, and twisted, and drawn. And me to come tell you what I'm, I'm telling you. Now, remember, at the first place, this Sunday, I gave this away because I trust that God will not hold it against me. And if you notice the platform, even around me, I had him to have every to the audience. Not for anybody who could give me your, your teaching, your reverence, your testimony. He doesn't need the people to show his power. He wants Satan to try to get him to show his people. You see, it was a temptation of the devil. But to give him the scriptures, but it's written that giving his angels charge concerning me the same time of God's putting his stone to bear the end. See? But Jesus Christ did not heal all the people that come to him. He did not heal all the sick and the sick. He just healed certain ones, the ones that he would love to heal. And that's the way the meetings have been going up in, I mean, there, you know. Now there was many of them up in the country up there. Been many great outstanding miracles. The other night they brought in them. The new school, they brought a child from the new school. And then all at once I never seen so many deaf and dumb people in all the ways of my ministry. Everything in the line was deaf and dumb. And I, I stopped, I was praying for them, and I stopped. And I asked how many youth. And then they had one little girl about 12 years old. And the spirit was cast from her, very pathetic looking little thing. When the spirit was cast from her, she began to speak in here. The next night they brought her back, said she couldn't speak in here. A doctor came with her. So, in a nurse. So they said they heard her speak from the platform. Heard that she did speak from the platform, rather. Well, they got behind her and clapped her hands like that. No hearing at all. Snapped her fingers. If I get her to say something, she would talk on her fingers like that to her. She wouldn't. And then they clap her hands like that, no hearing at all. And the child spoke and heard the night before from the platform. So then they try to get her to say something, they say daddy or mama or something like that. She would like she wouldn't say nothing. I remember the child. Well, then I said, well, bring her up here again. And they brought the little girl up. And then when the spirit was cast out of her, I was standing just beside her and I, like she turned and jumped and looked around like that. I had to come and let him clap his hands, let his hands like that, and she turned around and she heard that. So then I got her to say, Mama, and she said, Mama. I say, say, Daddy, like that with my, or with my tongue tied to make it, she'd say, Daddy. Now she could speak and hear that on the platform. And then I told her, and I said, now, it's just like conversion. You can be a Christian tonight and a sinner tomorrow. You must believe and hold on to God and believe it with all your heart. Now, now I asked why was so many deaf and dumb, and they brought a little girl there about seven years old that was, been, was born deaf and dumb, 
and she was speaking very in a big deaf and dumb institution right there in Oregon. I was right by it, and that's what it was, his brain all the deaf and dumb in because of that girl, and this one failed to keep hers and brought her back. So I guess it was somewhat 20 or 25 cases of deaf and dumb people healed this last week. Definitely on the platform speaking in here. But not all of them, I didn't pick them. Just as they come through, I could feel the pressure of faith. I rolled up my face, reaching out. Our friend, there's only one way in the world that you can be healed, and that's only faith in God. And no matter how much that God will permit me by my own faith to take the Spirit from you, unless you go forth and believe God and serve God and trust God, it'll come right back to you again. Did not Jesus say, go and sin no more, or a worse thing than this will come upon you? Don't never come in a prayer line unless you expect him to serve God the rest of your days. That's right. Always, don't never live a sinful life because you'll be worse, way worse. God has promised that you will be worse off than you was at the first time. Don't never try to come in, especially this afternoon, to you who shall come in this miracle line. Don't you dare to come unless you promise God with all your heart and mean it that you will serve him the rest of your days. Now, it's, Jesus told Satan there, it's written that you shouldn't keep the Lord, or some of the writers put it uh, different, make a showing of God's power. I remember in the Bible there was many people who passed by Jesus that he never even had no compassion on them, and if he did, he didn't show it. It was where he was led to stop. Is that right? For instance, the man at the pool, one of the five porches, Look at the crowds of important people laying there. And here can come Jesus walking through, and there lays one man who had been laying there for many years. He just raised that man up and told him to take his bed and go home and never even said nothing to the rest of the crowd. Is that right? One man he plucked him by the hand and let him out of the crowd, come out of the city, pray for him. Of course, he began to see man like trees. Might have stood there an hour or two longer praying for him for all I know, but anyhow, when he got through praying, his sight came to him. Even wherever he was led. Look at the man at the gate, beautiful, that Peter healed. And John passing through the gate. Jesus went right through that gate month after month. Only that group. Why did he heal that man? He'd been laying there for 40 years. Notice. Or he'd been carried from the gate there to beg arms, I guess. That's why he'd been laying there for many years. Now, notice. God only heals not to show his power. He only heals those not on the merits of your Christianity. He doesn't heal you because you're a Christian. He does, but when he does heal you, he wants you to be a Christian from that time on. But he, but he doesn't heal because you, you think, well, I'll go up there, I'll be healed because I'm a Christian. No, God heals on your faith. Your faith. If you're, if you're a sinner and know nothing about God and never have been a Christian, if you'll promise him that you will be a Christian and will come and you have faith enough for it to be done, it will be done, not then. But the most, I don't even have a privilege of and, and then you go there and that makes you nervous, look down on the street, you see them mothers walking with a little baby, wearing her arms, you see the, the cripples laying around there expecting to stop and pray for mercy. I'm a human, I got a heart and I feel for people. If I let myself go, I'd be a nervous breakdown before one week was over. I just got to shut my eyes and look up and say, oh God, have mercy and walk on. See? Now I'm getting to a place where it's getting me some nerves. A few moments ago, my little girl, 19 months old now, mother called 
and she won't know if I got the trip to all right. My little girl just began to talk, and she was talking, my daddy, and she said, I love you. Come home, daddy, and I got and the couple away from the phone. She started screaming, don't get back to the phone. Now, that really killed me. Of course it does. And I've just only seen her five times since she was born. Now, those fathers with their little children, that makes me feel, oh, I just dread, you know, poor little sickle and afflicted thing. But the only thing that I can do is to be honest with the people. And that is this. When you come into line, that is, after today, when you come through the lines of prayer line, when you make a covenant with this with me with God, if God will perform these miracles here for you today, whatever is brought to the platform, and God will heal them, and God knows that, oh, may the Lord grant that I'm not trying to make a show of his power. No, I'm not doing that. But that you might be encouraged. I've always loved these, Arizona. I love New York. The crowds has never been right at these. They never have had the crowds here. They have other places. I don't know. But I've always loved these. And I want to live here someday. And there's a great something here that draws me here. It looks like it's needed more here. And I've set this day aside for America. And may God, who listens to me now, if he'll just grant this to me today, that everybody's brought here before he and I this day, if you'll let it get well, surely you'll believe in that on. You, you'll pass through the prayer line and believe that God truly has sent his gift of healing. Won't you believe that? You won't have to have one more miracle performed in the rest of the meeting. You'll believe it you're prayed for. And remember, with the Bible here before me, it is the truth that this power is given only for healing. I pray for the people. They go away, and if they believe, they get well. If that seal, that stamp, that prayer is said for that person, and if they believe it, the angels of God will watch over that person. They have to get well. Maybe not that hour, maybe not that week, maybe not that month. It may be six weeks before they're well. But they'll get well. They've got to get well. And friends, the lowest count that I ever had of any of my meetings counting by prayer card was 70% of what was prayed for. The highest percent was Winnipeg Canyon. 98% of what was prayed for was healed. 98% that has been about five months ago, four months ago, and they're healed now. They're one set their, uh, their testimony in that they are well. At the Vancouver meeting, my secretary called me while I was at Portland or at Ashland, and he said, Brother Branham, I believe it's going to be 100% from the way the testimonies are coming in and the prayer cards that we put out. 100%. I hope it does. Well, if God can heal those people on their faith in Canada, God loves Americans as same as he loves Canadians. Is that right? He's no respecter of persons, and he will heal you if you just believe it. But he cannot heal you without your faith. You've got to believe that he will heal. Now, uh, right now it's three minutes after two, that's three minutes after three by this time here. Now, we want to get out by five o'clock, and I want to speak just a little bit about our lesson, and then we'll start the prayer line, or the deep faith line. Now, will everyone listen close to this, closely? Friend, please, and may God who listens at me, remember that I am not bringing this this afternoon to you as a showing. 
And if I am wrong, may God have mercy upon me. I don't want to do anything wrong. But he told me by that angel that nothing shall stand before your prayer if you be sincere and get the people to believe. And I have not yet seen one thing regardless of what it was when enough time was taken to that person and stayed with it for what Almighty God healed any while they were yet in front You understand, everybody? And that is the truth. This once more, I shall try. Make the ending of this at peace. Now try. The place where I intend to live someday. And God to heal the people this day. And if he will grant that to me, and let these, uh, whatever comes up, deaf, dumb, crippled, blind, insanity, whatever it is, be delivered right here before the people's eyes, then the rest of the time I'll let him do the lead if he'll just hear me and answer my prayer. Will you pray for me? As God will help me. I realize that the work is in his infancy. He's a great strange friend. I can see the truth of what I've always done, I've always seen and I thank God that that's coming to pass now. Great revivals are sweeping out across the country. The people are one heart and one mind, and they're just sending one to one another church. Let the people go to wherever church they wish to go to. Let them have their own preference. And whatever a person believes, go ahead and believe that, but don't criticize the other man. Let's, let's, let's stay together and serve God. Oh, I trust that God will let you that. And if he'll show me favor this afternoon and heal these people before you, then you listen to my word for don't hold nothing against anybody or anybody's church. Let's go together as one like brothers and sisters, and then the sinner on the outside will know that we really love Jesus. That's right. See? Jesus said this, This will all men know that you are my disciples because you have shaken one of the because you belong to this church, because you have love one for the other. Is that right? will love one for another, then you'll know, all men will know that you're my disciples. And if we do not have love one for another, then we cannot be his disciples. And that's upholding the sinner's back, that's upholding the coming of Jesus. I believe that God will permit me to go to this lovely little city to prove his power and authority. If he does, then if you don't receive me and listen to my words, I've done all I can do. <laughs> that's right. And I thought I'd wait till the last meeting for this. But I see now, if I do this, I'll have more time to make talks on us people coming together. Remember, friends, if you're black, white, yellow, red, American, Canadian, Russian, Spanish, Mexico, wherever you're from, we're all one in Christ Jesus. God don't love one anymore than he does the other. He doesn't love me anymore than he loves you. He doesn't love you anymore than he loves me. So there we are, we're all one together in Christ Jesus, and let's live like that. Let's live that every day before the world, and they'll see you. That's the way you'll lift Jesus up to the world. Let others see him in you. Your written epistles read of all men. Will you grant that to me? And, well, and if God will grant the rest of it to me, I believe it will be the breaking forth this very day of an old-fashioned revival through Phoenix. Well, wouldn't you like to see every church in a great big revival in Phoenix? souls being born into the kingdom. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, this day
standing here tired before this group of people and weary and my limbs aching and hurting, pushing and pulling. Oh Christ, someday let thy servant depart in peace so we can cross over the river. I trust that you'll give me rest at the other side. Father, you know how I feel today and how I would love to even be home for Thanksgiving to get to sit down with the wife and family. But oh God, that crying pool of important students, Oregon states above. And these dear people here at Phoenix from different nations, different peoples, coming together to be healed. And Father, someday may we have Thanksgiving together when you're found the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That great Thanksgiving day when all the saints shall rally together. God help us to work for that day. While we're here on earth, and may you give us divine strength. And Father, as we open up your word now for a few moments, may the Holy Spirit come down and take the pain that God's and take them right out into this lovely bunch of people and sow the seed of love and fellowship in this congregation of people until every church will be blessed and the people will start a revival, Lord, among themselves and bring in many lost souls in these next three meetings coming up. When it, Father, we'll give you the praise while we ask it in his name. Amen. Now the next three services, the Lord willing, we're going to have an altar call and have some people, sinners, for bringing your sinner friends and expect God to keep Mrs. Sharon and to save and to heal the people of all their diseases. Last Sunday, in the scripture lesson, we were in Numbers, the uh, 21st chapter, speaking of the brazen serpent. Uh, Sunday before that, we had the smiting of the rock. Last Sunday, we brought up the word that God had dealt with his people in such a way that he had brought them out of Egypt and had provided a way for them all the way along. And we've seen last Sunday how that all that church was a type or a shadow of the church that we have today, the calling out, bringing out of darkness into the marvelous light led by signs and wonders of God bringing them from Egypt, going up into the promised land. And it's a very perfect type of the church today being led out of darkness into the light of Christ. And how we brought the people, see how they were down there among those Egyptians, they become like heathens. God brought them out and gave them laws and wonders, and they walked with God, and God kept sickness away from them. He gave them food to eat. There's a way for every sinner in here to see. And here it is. There is a fountain full of blood drawn from when sinners plunge beneath the blood lose all their guilty stains. When you're carried the power of the church of God on through this wilderness journey into the promised land. And our promised land is found in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. One soul would have told you. I will prepare a place for you, and I will come again to receive you unto my back. Isn't that marvelous? When I 
think of his love and compassion, I will come and I will receive you into myself. The love that he had. Sometimes I feel like the runaway slave. When Paul found him, he wrote back to his master and he said, Don't tell all that he owes you. Put it up on my bill and I'll pay you when I come. When I think about it, I think of Paul, that, that great Christian, how that his heart knew that there's a great charge against him and Christ with his own blood is really pardoned at the cross and took his place and he knew how to feel for other people. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we all had that feeling this afternoon? Just take their fault and lay it up on me. Let me. But we bear one of those burdens like that. Now, that's the way God went on. They came to a place they began to murmur against God and, and against Moses, and God had to have Moses to smite the rock. And we talked about he smote it with the judgment stick, which we realized that that was the judgment. God's judgment stick. It was one brought fleas and lice and and turned the waters into uh, frogs come up out of the waters and so forth down in Egypt because it was God's judgment upon an unbelieving people. And notice, the only way that God could lead them people out was by an atonement. And the only way that God can lead us out today is by an atonement. And the atonement's already made a Calvary. Notice you're going down in there how perfect it was with the scriptures. How Joseph... The younger son rejected of his brethren. Christ rejected of his brethren. He wore a coat of seven colors, Joseph. And the seven colors, of course, represent the seven colors in the rainbow, which was a covenant. And God always has his covenant people. And then this one, young Joseph, was killed supposedly by his brethren. And this coat was to be returned to his father. And I want you to see another thing, that he was thrown into a ditch and was supposedly to be dead. But he was taken up from the ditch and was taken into the greatest commercial city of the world and was made a right-hand man that no man could enter into the gates or come into the courts without first coming through Joseph, a perfect type of Christ. They thought they had killed him and showed him into the grave. But God raised him up. And today he sits at the right hand of his majesty. And no man can come to God except he comes through Christ. Is that right? Notice in the butcher and the baker, one was refused and one rejected like the two thieves at the cross. A perfect type. And then at the death of Joseph, he left a sign to the Egyptians that his bones would be taken out when they went out. Many of the Egyptians passing by are the Israelites, rather, down in Egypt and see those bones. They knew someday before those bones completely deteriorated that they would move forward and they would move with them. Christ, not only leaving his bones, but he left an empty tomb that we who are Christians today, someone said, Brother Branham, the only thing that you've got to know that you're a Christian is some Hebrew writing. I said, I've got more than that to know that I'm a Christian. Sure I have. You have too if you've been born again. Notice, but we have an empty tomb. Mohammed religion is the greatest there is in the world today. The more Mohammeds than anything. But they keep a white horse sitting at the grave of Mohammed. Said there for 2,000 years. A white horse has constantly been led there for Mohammed to resurrect and ride away. 
We go down the Ganges River today, we find mothers there that they sacrificed their little children and throw them into alligators. And let the alligators crunch the little dark fellows and their blood spurt up over the mouth, sacrificing to the God of the Nile. Now somebody says, because I'm sincere, that's all that makes any difference. It takes more than sincerity. They're sincere too. Over in India today and under the Buddha worship, people like Brother Gaddis, Gaddis and Moser Band, he said, Brother Graham, I have seen, no, I guess all of you know Gaddis is internationally known everywhere, Methodist Church. He said, I've seen him stand with their fingernails and grow through their hands with, say, oh, great Buddha. If you don't give me rest for my soul, I'll never take my hand down. Leave it like that. Many of them who hasn't laid down for years, and they stand sleeping upside of a wall, praying. The Chinese, they break their feet. They have 400 and something kitchen gods alone. And something other like that, heathen worship, crying for peace to your soul. And you Americans can have it right now and reject it. While them heathens are rising in the day of judgment and condition, these like, all are dead and gone. But close again, the empty tomb. You say, oh, well, we could empty the tomb. He made it better than that. He said, I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He will abide with you forever. And he's here today in the building right now, ready to fill any heart of Empty out the world, Christ will come in in the form of the Holy Ghost and you'll be saved in that peace. Right. Oh my, no wonder it thrills our heart, this great church, God leading it out. Then when they come to the place that they come to Kadesh, and Kadesh then was the judgment seat, and we got, went through that last Sunday, and then after the church come to Martin Luther, there's the third stage of the journey. Martin Luther was the first stage of the journey, calling out of darkness. John Wesley was the second stage. Then they come to Pentecost. And Pentecost brought the judgment. And the people went after the gifts and sinners. That's right. I believe God wants me to say that. Friends, when you miss the love of God in your heart, you miss everything, no matter what you've done. Where there's tongues, they shall cease. Where there's prophecy, they shall vanish. But where there is charity, it lasts forever. I'd rather my wife would love me and be afraid of me, wouldn't you? Sure, you love God. The love of God in your heart. Now notice, then when they met the judgment, and they all turned back, immediately sickness broke out into the camp, and fiery serpents came in, and God sent down the gift of healing for the children of Israel. A brazen serpent. Maybe he couldn't find a man that he could trust to put it on, so he put it on a serpent, a piece of brass, and a pole. And the very same thing, only another form. After you begin to babble up and break up and get into hundreds of different churches and organizations and denominations and fussing among one another, sickness. There's more sickness in the land today than it's ever been known of. That great plague of cancer sweeping the nations, and Christians are dying by the thousands with it. And then to think at that very hour that the angel of God came down and even specified cancer. Going to a hospital after a bit, a child here that's going to die, they say that 14 doctors give her up with cancer. Oh, may God meet me there. 
to reveal witness to Phoenix. That angel said he never specified nothing like cancer. He said, nothing shall stand before your prayer, not even to cancer. But do you think all the Hebrews believe that brazen serpent? Certainly not. And there's thousands of Gentiles and people today, when you speak to them about the gift of divine healing, they say it's fanaticism. How do you expect to ever be healed? It's not for you in the first place, it's for believers, those who will believe. Now, then as we left them last Sunday, we're journeying on now into the 22nd chapter, and I'm not going to have time to read of it, but I may read a verse or two here, and listen close now. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plain of Moab on this side of Jordan by Jericho. Notice, they had journeyed on, and as they went on, of course Aaron died during that time, and as they went moving on Moses, moving on with the children of Israel, they wanted to go by, compass the land. The king told them, no, you can't go through here. But then he come and fought against them and taken some of their people. Then God told him, told Israel, or Israel vowed to God if he had delivered the king into his hands, that he would utterly destroy the land. And that's a type today. If God will give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, utterly destroy sin out of your life. Move on. Nothing can stop the church. They may call you fanatic. They may call you sissy to pack a Bible. They may say that you're a holy river or whatever they do. Nothing's going to stand in God's church. He's moving towards Canaan. If you don't, if you don't go, God will take them. It will go. That's right. He's that church. There's nothing. It's an irresistible force. That's right. And God will move everything. There a few years ago, they said He's going to throw you out. He's going to set you back. He's going to shut your mouth. But the church is moving on. That's right. And the church will move on. There's nothing. It's coming time where you're getting big enough you ought to be able to talk and speak. Now, she moved on. And finally, they came down to the land of, of Moab there and the king, Balak, he, a Balak letter, he thought that he would be wiped out. And he said, oh, this great company here that like or lick us up like the ox licks the grass up off the field. He sent over to a preacher, a prophet, by the name of Balaam. He said, come down and curse this people Israel for me, for I understand that whoever you curse is cursed, and whoever you bless, they're blessed. Now I want you to notice it. Here it is. The people knew that there was a power in that prophet, so if he cursed anything, it was cursed. And if he blessed anything, it was blessed. You Bible readers who read the Bible, is that true according to Scripture? Now, if we just had time to read it like we should, but I cannot stop bubbling my mouth. Is that right? I cannot say no prophet, no man, no healer, nobody. You ask too much of the prophet. Certainly you do. There was many people come to Elisha to get cured of their leprosy. The Bible said there was many lepers in the days of Elisha, but only one of them was cured, and that was Naaman. Is that true? Certainly how many more you think came? There's probably hundreds of lepers came, because there's many of them in the days of Elisha. But only one of them. But God recorded that in the Bible. Oh, look! Today, I've got on record 
many months ago of 35,000 cases. Doctor's statements of definite healing. Better! I guess you think I'm excited, but I'm not. I'm not excited. I know where I'm standing. But look, Jesus said, These things that I've done greater will you do. Or I'll go unto my Father. Somebody has to fulfill that word. That's right. God's able to these stones to rise children to Abraham. And notice, now it's a great healing down. And this is the last day. If I didn't realize these things, I'd be afraid about saying that miracle line. I can only perform as God says perform. I can only speak when God says speak. I can only heal when God says heal. I can only tell you the vibrations is gone when God stops the vibrations. I can't stop them. I'm no healer. He's a healer. But when I see them stop, they're not stopped by me. They're stopped by God. And if I tell you that, if you doubt it, then you're going to be sick again. If you believe it, you're going to get well. That's right. Nothing can keep it from getting well. I cannot make a deaf man hear. I cannot make a dumb speak. I cannot make these plugs that's in the people's ears go out. That's God does that. And if he'll do it on the platform, go away rejoicing and serving lesser, greater things. Balaam said, I cannot do it unless God would send me. Well, then he prayed to God. That night, the Spirit came and talked to him. And he said, don't you go. That looked like it ought to be enough, don't I'm preaching almost conviction to myself right here this afternoon. He's already told me you're confirming, confining too much of that gift of healing on miracles. And I want this to be the climax. And notice, then he said, I can only speak as God speaks. No prophet can say anything unless God puts it in his mouth. If he's a prophet, if he's a false prophet, if he's a hireling, why, he, he'd say anything. But if you say anything and God has to bring it to pass, if God said it to be that way. Notice, then when he said that, he said he could only speak what God put in his mouth, and God told him to send him back. And he, notice, then Balaam, like a lot of hiring prophets now, for usury, for money, he come back again and asked him the second time, and he went to God again. Now look, there is a perfect will of God, and there is a permissive will of God. And God permitted his prophets to go on, yet he wasn't his perfect will. It was his permissive will. And I feel this afternoon is the same thing on these working for this miracle line. It is God's maybe permissive will, but it's not his perfect will. You are supposed to take my word, and if, if look, friends, it's hard to say that. It's hard for people to see that. But I don't... There ought to be somebody, God grant someday, that I can have somebody, or you'll send me somebody who will do this talking for me, and I won't have to do that, because it looks like you're throwing something to yourself. God in heaven knows that I wouldn't stand here that much hypocrite before his people. That's right. But it is the truth. I shall be judged for it at the day of judgment. He did say it. And notice, now it might not be his perfect will, but I believe it is permissive will. So I've asked him that for the sake of Phoenix here today, that you might see that I have told you that what is true. And the angel of God who met me that night in the room, I pray that he'll stand here to withstand anything that's brought up here this afternoon. Now, I, as I say, I'm not supposed to do that because I'm just saying bring somebody up. Now, if you let me walk out through the crowd, I've already picked out at least four people sitting right back out here in front of me right now that could be healed right here by a miracle, right now. 
Well, I feel them. One of them's an aged man, gray-headed. The other one's a young lady. Another one's a little girl. They're studying right before me now that can be healed by a miracle right here. But if I should go out there and pick you out, then you're going to find fault with me. You see? This gift, I don't believe, was given for holy mass meetings like this. I don't believe it was. I believe that I should be led of Almighty God to go wherever He'd lead me to place to place like that. And then pray for the people and so forth, as he would lead me. I don't know, but whatever, I'm trying to get these things settled down where I can find his perfect divine will, his channel to walk in and stay there regardless of what anyone says about it. That's right. Now, he told Balaam to go on down there. Of course, we know on the road the angel of the Lord met him. And he could, he was so blind, so money crazy, till he couldn't find even see the, the angel standing before him. And then the, the mule that he was riding on turned aside out into the field. The mule, oh my, the mule had more spiritual discernment than the man did. And he got his mind off of God. Someone was speaking the other night and I was telling my, I put the stomach back in the people's way. I said, that is true, is true. I, uh, uh, Christians, uh, uh, Christians have seen that. It would have been different seeing this thing. I said, yes, but sometimes the Christians are so blind they can't see that. It was in the days of the coming of Jesus. Those astrologers went right on up there and worshipped him, the three wise men. And the priest was in the temple debating whether this was right or that was right. That's the truth. And a little witch, remember, I say it's the work of the devil. All spiritual astronomy is the work of the devil. Now I realize I'm heading right now down in Mexico where black magic and everything else is there, but I know who I have believed. I know God will take care of it. He'll bring the thing to showdown. Like he did in Oregon the other night. That's right. It's true. But to get the people set still long enough to see it is the thing. Now, then these things that he spoke, and he didn't see the angel, and then turned aside. Then the angel went to stand another place. Watch him. The three places represent the three stages of the journey. The three stages of the journey then. The three stages of the journey in the children of Israel. Three stages of Balaam's journey. We're in our third and last stage. And remember, the Pentecostal age is a rejected age. I hate to say that, or I've never found faith in any church like the Pentecostal church. But it's rejected because it's the lady of sin, last church age lukewarm. It'll be spewed from the mouth of Christ, but God in there will draw out his people. Out of that Pentecostal age. You say, well, I'm looking for a great age. I know, many of you people, there's a teaching in the schools of the prophets. They say that all the great church age is coming. Don't believe it! The next thing to come is Christ for his church. That's right. So remember, the last church age is the Lady of Sin, church age of lukewarm that's spewed from God's mouth. True. And you know that. Or I say, Brother Bram, you're just one alone. Well, how about a whole council? That's where the Catholic Church started, with the council of man. God don't move in councils of man. He deals with individuals. Look at all that bunch of prophets up there telling they had to go on up in peace and said, isn't there one more Jehoshaphat said? Yeah, little old Micah. But Micah knew where he was standing. He knew his God. And I know that many will reject this that I'm saying now. But remember, I believe with all my heart I know God. And I believe the age is that we're holding so much to this church and that church and God's not pleased with it. We've got to come out of that. We've got to get together, our hearts together. That's right. And notice now, 
And as they come down there, and this mule seen standing first place, he's seen there at the gate, next place in a straight, and the next way he's seen standing in a real narrow way, and finally the mule spoke out with human voice. Look, a dumb mule, a dumb brute, if God, an angel of God could speak to a dumb brute, couldn't he speak to a man? The people are too blind to see him. He said, if God's able, these tones to rise, children, on day Abraham. Oh, my. Then Balaam went out to put a curse upon the children of Israel. We have to hurry. Oh, my. I just love this summer. <laughs> Where you just get plenty of elbow room. Look, he who journeyed on, as the mule even spoke to him. And the angel of the Lord was standing in the way. Now, God is not pleased with the way people are doing. The people in this lukewarm condition, either be hot or cold, get in or get out. God hastens the day when Christians will be what they profess to be, and sinners the same thing. Oh, if I wasn't for Christ, I'd be against him. I'd be saying you're talking against him. I'd say I ain't got no use for him. There's nothing to him. I'd be against him if I wasn't for him. But friend, I truly believe he's a son of God. Like the Bible says he is, I believe he has sent it on high. Like the Bible says he is, I believe he's coming again. Like the Bible says so. And I believe that he gave gifts back to man. Therefore, today I'm claiming it because I believe it. If you see me living anything else, you let me know because I'm backslid. If I do anything different and live a life of that, I'd be afraid to walk before those demons and powers. I know it's hard. Cuts me down. Now I hate to say these things to people, but friends, I'll have to sense a judgment someday to answer before you people. That's right. Your blood will be up on my hands. You serve God with reverence in your heart, pure, holy love for Him. Walk every day in that mood of love all the time. Do good to others and do good charitable deeds and love God and worship Him. And that's where you're supposed to live and treat your neighbor as yourself. Now, notice this now. Then when he got down there, Balaam, or when he got down there, he thought, surely, here's another mistake. I'll get this part in just before it closed. You'll give me your undivided attention right here till we meet the climax. Oh, my, I feel that he's here. I do. I thank him. Look, when he went down there, Balaam went out with this idea. I've been bawling you out. You, you're holding this people, full gospel people, Nazarene, Pentecostal, Church of God, Assemblies of God, and all, all the rest of you. And to you Methodists, and to you Baptists, and all you that love God. Notice this. But look, when Balaam, now to bring it back to the church, it's moving on. When Balaam went down there, he looked upon that people. Israel had done everything that was on the calendar, nearly in the way of things. They had practiced on God. They did up the church. The little church that broke up man's homes and run this way and that way and done everything that was uh, doing that right. But don't judge all of them by that one. See? We've all had it. That's true. But they say, oh, that uh, uh, Holy Ghost church. All them shouters going, look, I see no one of their pastors that done this. Yes, and brother, if they had been a little money behind it, there'd been a whole lot more said about these others, too. But when you got a lot of money to smother it down, these fellows have to take the rub, that's all. But remember, we had good and bad and both. And Balaam looked up on that people and he thought, look here. Now listen. He thought surely that a holy, moral God 
would have to curse that people like that had done such things as that. But we're looking up on them. He looked, he said, now look, they've done this, they've done that. Surely there's not a holy God in heaven who could look upon that and, and absolutely have any blessing with that church. Because look at them. They have done this and they've done that. He looked at it from the eye standpoint, from the moral standpoint, trying to judge the people by a moral God, holy God. But he failed to see the smitten rock before him and the brazen serpent, that atonement that forgave their sins. And so is it today when the people laugh and say, them divine healers, them holy rulers, they've done this and that. I'll admit it. But they fail to see the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, moving on before the church. That's right. It atones. There's a sin atonement made for the church. And people, you who know God, move on. God is for you. No matter how much they try to put a curse on it, it can't be done. The blood of Christ separates that. God did not look upon any people as their own moral standards. The only thing he looks at is the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. And any person that's under that blood is safely protected. Amen. Oh, my. Under the blood. I don't care how much you holler, scream, stay there until morning breaks. That's right. They were under the blood. The blood of the Lamb, the smitten rock, the brazen serpent. Look, they were under the blood of the Lamb. As we talked last week, the blood was placed upon the door, the little door. They went out under the blood. And they got out there and got hungry. God fed them manna out of heaven. They got thirsty. He gave them water from the rock. They got sick. He gave them power for healing. And Balaam failed to see that. He thought because they were so radical in this way and that way that, that God did not have any honor for them. He didn't have honor for them, but he did for his atonement. Oh, man! God today, no matter what the church has done, the atonement, the blood of Jesus Christ, kill Amen. My, my. We'll get to shouting directly, sure enough, won't we? When I think of it, the blood, under the blood, it all looks sons and daughters to him as long as they're confessed under the blood. So if you've done wrong, get under the blood today and confess your sins. For if we call from grace, we have an advocate to the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if it was that advocate, we'd all be gone, wouldn't we? But in there, we're brought under the rich, royal blood of the Son of God. And before God, we are pure and holy. Hallelujah. I guess it's not against the Lord of Satan, Phoenix. <laughs> hallelujah, I mean praise our God. And I think he's worthy of every praise and a hallelujah we can ring from these mortal lips. The Bible said you are a royal priesthood of peculiar people, offering spiritual sacrifices to God, the fruits of your lips giving praise unto him. Oh, my, the fruits of your lips pouring up praise daily before the people. What a high priest we have. What a priesthood that we're in. The priesthood of the circumcision, not of flesh, but of the heart. Amen. <laughs> the heart circumcised by the Holy Ghost. That's right. And then you can offer praise and adoration to God, the spiritual sacrifice your lips, pouring out praise and things. The other night when the people were standing there and were a little blind baby laying in a mother's arms, his little eyes were blind, but after being prayed for, holding a little baby in my own arms like that, looking at it, I was looking at it, I said, Mother, it sees the light. She looked at it, and she put her hands before it. It bad his little eyes. I took my hand and followed my hands around. I kept, a lot of the people just rose. Those rafters rang with the praises. 
Somebody stood there and said, they make a lot of noise. I said, if they'd hold their peace, I'd be the rafters who praise God. Something's got to take place. Amen. Oh, my. No other poet could sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that came to wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Oh, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. It was grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Oh, my. After we've been there 10,000 years, that's time we have no less time to sing his praise than the hour we first begun. How wonderful. No wonder Eddie put the screen up in his dying hours and throw his hands across the cross and scream, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. My old blind Fanny Crosby had never seen in her life. She screamed, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others dark calling, do not pass me by. What can you offer me, Lord? What can you offer blind Fanny Crosby who was blind all of her life? She had now the scream of all. You see what I mean? More than life to me. Face to face. Look upon him. The author has helped me this afternoon, Father, and may this not be to bring thy power down to make a show of it. Oh, God, may everything that's well on this pulpit this afternoon be healed of thy divine power that the people of Israel, fiercely speaking, might rejoice in the power of their salvation. And may them who are unbelievers be brought to shame. Grant it, dear God, and they'll humbly bow at the foot of the cross on next Sunday and uh, this week sometime and say, Lord, I've been wrong. I've persecuted the people who believe in divine healing. I've said they were holy rollers. I've called them everything. But I fail to see the blood and power of Christ going before them. Oh, Christ, encourage your people. Oh, Jacob, how godly is thy tent Oh, no matter what side they look from, it's godly. There's joy. There's freedom of sin. There's power of healing. There's everything in the tent. Oh, God, may blind Balaam sit this afternoon and glorify the God of heaven while we ask it in his name and for his glory. Amen. Just one moment. I want to ask some of you here to come forth now. Everyone just remain in your seat. We're going to have uh, one of the brothers to step out here at the pulpit. I remember, dear friends, God's power is not to be made a show. Do you hear And if Jehovah God, my Savior Jesus Christ, will hear my prayer this afternoon and will heal these people that's brought here in the way of miracles, then if you don't receive Christ then, then Phoenix, I've done all I can do. I've done all I can do. I've tried to tell it to you. I've tried to speak it to you. I've tried to show it to you by the words. And then if God will manifest himself in the power, that's the only thing I know to do. Then I trust that God will do that when we make an old-fashioned altar call here. The sinners will weep their way through, and Christians will go back, shake one another's hands, and there will be a revival sweep through there. I hear this two or three revivals started now. The brother James Outlaw, I believe, is starting a revival, and some more of the brothers here in the city. I trust that there will be a revival started in every church, everywhere, and people will come to Christ. Oh, my. Do you believe we're in the stage of the journey now? Do you do it? Raise your hand. Now, I want to ask you this one more thing. Brother Hooper, you get ready to come out and the platform just a moment. Um, I wonder this. If any of you here today, if you don't believe this with all your heart now, friends, 
If you do not believe it, there last week we had some things to happen in our meeting, and all that lovely meeting, but there were two ushers standing right beside him when an epileptic spell was cast out, and down went two ushers, one on one side, one on one, plunged forward, another run back like this. A few hours later, they tried to get a woman in, couldn't do it, fine woman, business woman there in the city, had a, a, store, a store where they sold women's clothing and things, a very fine woman. And about two days later, they had her out there in front of the hotel, her frothing like a mad dog. See, it could not, it was the powers of hell was liberated, and the demons will go from one to another. Now, let me put that again. Listen, remember, this is casting out Satan. Was my Bible over my husband? It's casting out powers that bound those people. And when that power is cast out, that demon will go somewhere if he can get somewhere. Do you remember when Jesus cast out legion demons? They said, "Suffer us to go over this herd of swine." Is that right? And he, he given permission to go. And they went over there, and those hogs, thousands of them, run down the river and drowned it in the river. Is that right? And now remember, dear friends, with all my heart, take this as a warning. If you have one skeptic thought, please do not stay in the building now. Because you'll probably be insanity, blind, deaf, everything from here now. And you must be perfectly quiet. And if you feel that you can't keep your head down, then don't stay in here. I will try to give vent about every 15 minutes if the Lord shall perform some miracle, of course. Now, I don't say that there will be but one. There may not be but one. I may not even get through that one. I can't say. Let me make myself perfectly clear. Back and forth, check and double check on it so you know. Remember, I have said this is a gift of healing. Everybody bear me record if you do say amen. The angel has never told me to perform one miracle. Everybody hear that say amen. He told me if I would pray for the people that they'd get well, if I could get them to believe me. You remember that say amen. But through faith, faith in him who is invisible here this afternoon, I have been permitted by Almighty God to open the eyes of the total blind, to unstop the ears of those who were born deaf and dumb, as they speak in here. The cripples that were hideously drawn, twisted, unfold right before the people's eyes and walk away by the power of him who is invisible. But remember, it is none of my own power. It is his power. I have no way at all to perform any miracles. I am just a man like you, your husband, your brother. I'm a man. But he is God. And this angel is divine that's sent from the throne of God. See what I mean? It's my angel in God's word. Miracles and here. Is that right? Now, how many will believe with me? Let's see your heart, brother. I've got you saved. Thank you. Now, slowly, let's give him a little chance to rest. Everyone stand reverently now while we sing. Only believe now. Everyone, well, that's the song that the angel of God likes. Now, everyone, let's get quiet and be just as lovely. Do you love Jesus? Say, I've got to get myself perfectly quiet. And now, while we sing, now, everybody slowly now.
right, well, okay. I've got somebody sent to us by the I want each one to see him. I just, just one more time. See what I've got here? How many understand the thing of vibrations over the days of the day? You can imagine all the people you can see. Almost when you crowd it, it's hard to do. Brandon comes by vibrations, and he's over my hand. My hand turns real bloody looking red, and white people jump up on the part of the people. People don't come part of the people they got. That spirit goes down and tells them what kind of disease they have. I was just the doctors up there last week. And telling the doctors, they bring cases out of hospitals. Now, I didn't personally have any person's name on my hand. I see if you want to say all right. Hi, everybody. You don't know what to do. Everybody, everybody, just keep standing. Everyone, don't stare around at all. Because remember, I'm warning you in the name of Jesus Christ. You're actually deceiving the need to hope if you don't obey. I'm not going to catch you for it, so I find out what it is. But bring the person here. Yes, ma'am. You got tumor turned into a cancer. Is that right? You got a little more than that,
Thank you. 